You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romamu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Some of you might have been here last week when I talked about broken glass a little bit. For those of you who weren't, we're going to talk about glass again tonight. But this time, not glass, but mirrors. And I want us to hold the question tonight, what makes unity possible? What binds us together? What's the adhesive, the glue that we need to keep ourselves this community, this country, those people leaving here tonight as I begin to speak. (laughs) From falling apart. (laughs) What's the glue that can keep further division from taking place? both within ourselves, in our communities, in the larger world? Those were the questions that were the topic of a panel discussion that was very interesting this week that I happened to be blessed to be a part of. But instead of the questions being asked in a larger way, they were asked in a more parochial way about the Jewish community. What's the glue that's necessary for Jewish continuity? What keeps us together, what binds us together as Jews in all of our disparate places in all of the different geographic locations that we find ourselves. And the panel was very diverse. Each of the panelists offered their perspective. One of them suggested it was kihila, community. Another one suggested that it was religious observance, shmirat mitzvot. That was the continuum, that was the glue. And yet another one suggested that engagement in institutions like the federations and synagogues, that's what keeps us going. All of these are true, but partial. And to some degree, all of them are reflected in tomorrow morning's parsha, tomorrow morning's Torah reading. And even my own response, which I haven't shared, is in there too. Let me give you some context. So after the fall, after the rapture of Sinai and the rupture of the sin of the golden calf, after the shattered tablets and the ground golden God that made the golden smoothie of last week, for those of you who are here, after the Torah records the Chet Egel, the sin of the golden calf, we circle back tomorrow morning to complete the building of the tabernacle, the Mishkan, the abode of the divine here in this world. In the aftermath of that trauma and disorientation, Moses, the great teacher, Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah teaches us tomorrow morning the very first word, Vayakhel Moshe, and Moshe makes kihila. He creates community. You see, Moshe agreed with that opinion. After trauma, community is what brings us together. And not only is community important in tomorrow morning's reading, but right after Moshe, Vayakel, he he brings them together. Out of nowhere, Shabbat shows up tomorrow morning. Shabbat, out of nowhere. What does Shabbat have to do with the Mishkan? What does 
the resting on the seventh day having to do with the tabernacle? Forget about that for a moment. But this becomes the quintessential question of Jewish continuity through observance. Throughout America and in Europe before, are you Shomer Shabbat? Do you observe Shabbat? What's your level of observance is encapsulated in that moment. Community, mitzvot, or observance of Torah. Two threads for Jewish continuity, and then a third thread. The tabernacle is built from philanthropy. And we as a people, the Jewish people, are really good at philanthropy. We have one of the highest senses of communal responsibility. We give and we give more than almost any other subgroup here in America. We are really good at giving. And that giving itself as a value also contributes to longevity and to continuity. But those three things are necessary but insufficient in my opinion. And here's what I told people at the panel. We Jews have got a treasure. It isn't just the strength of our community or the power of our religious identity or even the philanthropic giving nature of our, of our past, present, and future. We have this. There you are. We know you're there. You are the Torah. You are our collective blueprint for human flourishing. Yes, I said it. Human flourishing. Jewish continuity is together. It is interwoven with human continuity. The power of this tradition and its promise for the future is intimately, intricately woven into the power that the tradition has to renew itself, and to give wisdom to the world on how to live a holy life. Judaism, qua Judaism, isn't worth saving by itself, in my opinion. Judaism, for its own sake, has beauty, and it would be lovely if it could live in some museum somewhere, and somebody could keep it for posterity. But that tradition becomes a relic. It becomes something that we say, once there was a people like the Assyrians, like the Babylonians. The vibrancy of Judaism will be interwoven, inexplicably connected forever with the power it has to not only revive Jewish life, but all of human existence. What is the Torah coming to teach each and every one of us? What is that ancient wisdom that it has to speak to the current moment? So let's take a taste of Torah's wisdom. Not Kehillah, Vayakel Moshe, not Shabbat, and not just, and they gave everything voluntarily from their deep, deep source. But a moment that is so strange. Tomorrow morning, we are going to hear all of the little details about the tabernacle, about that little shul in the desert that could, that could you know, the shul that could. <laughs> it could move, it could go, it could... You know, it was before there was an app, it was an app for that. It was mishkancentral.com. You could log on wherever it was. It moved 42 places and you had a mishkan. There wasn't even in the desert a second mishkan. Like, that's the one that I won't go to. There was only one mishkan. <laughs> Just one mishkan. And tomorrow morning, 
around the world, people are going to hear all of the details about that Mishkan, about each and every moment, all of the measurements of the Ark and the measurements of the altar and the measurements of the menorah, of the candelabrum, and then they'll come to one amazing thing. We have it covered over here. It's a baptismal font, but in the Torah, it was called a kiyor, a laver. What was unique about the laver or the washing basin where you as a priest would come and say, let me wash off my hands, let me wash my hands before I did the holy work? What was unique about it? Hold on to your hats. <laughs> this laver was made of copper. It was a copper stand. Made from the mirrors of the women who worked at the opening of the tent of meeting, from the guild of women who stood guarding the sacred sanctuary, they brought their mirrors. Everybody get that? They brought their mirrors. One more time, they brought their mirrors. Where did they get mirrors from? So they're copper mirrors. What were they using the mirrors for? And into this moment, every one of the Midrashim inserts, all of the rabbinic lore inserts itself. Why would the laver that is intending to clean and cleanse the hands of the priests before they enter the holy work, why would that water basin be made of copper mirrors from women? Which women? Says the Midrash, these women were the women who in Egypt, when the decree was made by Pharaoh that all of the children were to be thrown into the river. These were the women who used these cosmetic mirrors to make themselves beautiful, to entice their husbands, to defy Pharaoh's death edict so that children could be born. That's the Midrash. Those are the mirrors that stand between the Holy of Holies and those who want to enter. So powerful, the Torah is giving all of us wisdom, whether you're Jewish, not Jewish, wherever you come from. The Torah wants us to know that a marot tzvaot, that a mirror is required to do holy work. When I look into that mirror, I see all of the schmutz, all of the projections, all of the impressions. All of the dirt that accumulates in my life as I enter the holy work, all of my cynicism, my sarcasm, my closed heart. I walk into the holy of holies with a culture that tells me that the way to conduct a conversation is by a lowest common denominator. That the holy of holy, the work the holiest work we could ever do, public service to be a Kohen in America the glue, the fabric that needs to bring us together is that when we go into holy work, whatever it is, that we wash our hands clean as we're looking into the mirror to see what has accumulated in my own perceptual faculties that makes it impossible for me to enter into the holy space. So much is recorded on this heart. So much happens each and every day that makes it impossible for us to enter into the Holy of Holies without washing our hands clean of the, of the objectification, of the, of the absolute crass nature of our dialogue, whether it's within the Jewish people or within the American politic now. The Torah wants us to know that if you want to know the glue that keeps a society together, look in the mirror. 
And if what you see when you look in the mirror is an image of God, that is Judaism's highest value. More so than the continuity of the Jewish people, the continuity of the human race is dependent on our eyes' ability and our heart's capacity to look into the mirror and see beyond the clothing I wear, the job I have, the apartment I live in, the political party I identify with, the color of my skin, the shape of my eyes, the length of my fingers, all of those, when we look in the mirror, we say, none of that, none of that, just her. Just the beauty of the human being looking back at us. So don't enter the Holy of Holies, says the Torah, until you wash your hands clean in the mirrors of those women who had the courage to defy an evil decree in the face of despair to birth hope. That's the glue. That's what I said. A little bit less stridently. And you know what was amazing? It was right there in that room with a Reconstructionist, a Reform, a gay, and ultra-Orthodox Jew sitting on that panel. We could look at each other and say, we disagree. But when I look in the mirror of your face, I see God's image. Would that that were the wisdom that we extracted from the Torah. Would that that were placed before us in all of our endeavors, in our conversations, in our offices, between lovers, between institutions. How can I look at you with God's eyes and say, holy? That's our charge. That's our challenge. If the Torah is a commentary on the world, the world is a commentary on the Torah. And the Torah wants to teach the world tonight and this weekend that holy eyes are required. And each of us is a mirror. So mirror, mirror on these walls. Aren't we all the fairest of all?